You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today is the ever-present, we'll see how long that lasts, with no, don't do that. Just don't do that. that. I can't show my guns at the gun show, Erica. It's not the gun show. It is a podcast recording. I'm I got to tell you that. <laughs> You're why we can't have nice things, Val. Mm-hmm. You should like and subscribe and comment and let them let you know how much they enjoy me. And mm-hmm. so to sponsor snacks so I can eat on the podcast again. <laughs> Yeah, I will never accept a snack sponsor that allows you to eat on the podcast. That's not going to happen. Anyway, (laughs) Valerie Willis is with us today. I don't even know how we get through the intro with you on this show. Um, But our guest today is the amazing Marissa Wolf. Hi. Let's talk about what obviously uh, Val's already drinking. So I'm in uh, some of our drinking with author swag, but I decided to be super fancy and put my angry orchard hard fruit cider mm. peach mango in Ooh. a drinking with authors cup. You should find this stuff, Val. I actually think you would like it. Really? Wow. I, I I saw angry orchard is hit and miss with me. Mm. Like I don't like their their base product, I guess, or whatever. Which is what I no that and reds is the only one two things I found looking at the two stores I went to but my favorite is cider boys I'm a big fan of especially during Thanksgiving they have a cran apple that is awesome so the the cranberry one is flat rock cider company up here which makes ice spice baby that's the name of their that's fantastic yep I love that that's awesome. Yeah. So these are things. Uh, Val, what are you drinking today? Since you I am drinking had an epic failure at the liquor store. I'm sorry. I did find the San Pellegrino. It's very dramatic. <laughs> I love it. Italian sparkling drinks. This is gin swap. Uh, I discovered this at her house, and this is the orange and blood orange version. It looks like I'm drinking something alcoholic, but I am not. <laughs> Just bring okay. that energy. I like it. Yeah. There are so many reasons you. I didn't get off soda, but I wanted something carbonated, and this has replaced it. Soda. Respect. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Now that I guess that happened. We're gonna have to get you like a case of your wine so that you could start drinking. Yeah. I want to order that mead from Dragon Con, which I believe Ooh. is where Marissa discovered us at. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, that um that mead uh. uh that made was interesting. You tell me what you think of it. That's what I'm going to say. Cause I had it and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that happened. Um, Something happened. Something that happened. happened. Marissa, what are you drinking? Um, I, my, one of my favorite drinks is whiskey and ginger. And recently I found that Jameson is putting those in a can. So it's whiskey, ginger, and lime in a can. So what? It I have not me... seen this yet. What so is happy? it called? Uh, it's Jameson, ginger, and lime. Sorry, it's backwards. I might want to try that. Yeah. So, and it's it's Jameson, hmm. malt whiskey, 
Um, Even ginger and lime, Val, it has whiskey in it. Right, but (laughs) I've been made a ginger drink with something in it, and it seemed nice. Whiskey and ginger is my just like you know, you making me hot toddies. I have no idea what the hell I'm drinking, but I'm going to drink it. Yeah, this you Um, care for me and made me this drink. I will drink. For the record, what I gave you was a honey jack and ginger. Like, if we're going to clarify. Because your sweetness level needs to be kind of epic when you're drinking these Got it. drinks. So. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. The diabetes. You know, make alcoholics out of my friends. I'm going to do it the right way. The diabetes. I like it. <clears throat> it's real. <laughs> okay. So, Marissa, for those yeah. that may not know, I feel like we're not even going to get through this podcast. We're going to have so much fun. Val's not even drinking and it terrifies me. Um, for those that maybe don't know uh, you and your writing, what do you write? Yeah. So I am a giant nerd. I write science fiction and fantasy. Um, I write every corner of science fiction and fantasy that I can find. Um, so my most recent releases um, are urban fantasy and military sci-fi. So I have them. I have handy props. So recent releases, urban fantasy, the Valkyries Initiative. And this anthology, Chicks in Tank Tops, <laughs> just in case you're wondering, this is a tank top and this is a tank top. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Credit to the fabulous author, Lydia Shearer, for that infographic. Um, so yeah, I write wherever I can, whatever I can, as long as it's nerdy and what if Wow. That is amazing. That is amazing. And we did meet you at Dragon Con. Mm-hmm which is also amazing. I took COVID home from Dragon Con. That was my parting gift. Super That's exciting. much worse yeah. than whiskey and ginger. I don't like that for you. Yeah, no, I didn't like it for me either. It didn't look good on me whatsoever. <laughs> but, but Dragon Con was amazing. Mm-hmm. So when did you start? Well, obviously, if you're an epic nerd, I, I believe you were probably born that way. As I am second us- gen. It's true. Yeah. Which is awesome. Second gen epic nerd. Um, when did you start writing though? So I, I do have evidence of this. I'll have to find it. But um, when I was six, I wrote my first short story about a girl and her giant dog and Idaho potatoes. I could not tell you why, but it's laminated. So it has survived to this day. So I, I, I know that that was at least, I've been chasing that high of like the laminated short story ever since. Um, <laughs> So since I was six, I've been trying to write what if stories. <laughs> well, I think you should rewrite that story and publish it and right. put Everyone giant potatoes on a cover because that sounds kind of epic. Not going to lie. I'll um, I can find the picture while we talk. Mm-hmm. Yes, please do, because that would be awesome. You got to send me that picture and I'll post it as part of your social media when we announce your episode. Like, <laughs> From here, here to there. Potatoes. Yeah, the weird to there. <laughs> that and then the, the chicks and tank tops. <laughs> tank top, tank top. These are tank tops. What if we had a potato wearing a tank top? Just saying. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty spot on for me, I have to say. I'm very potatoy and I'm okay with it. So what was the first book? So you decided to go down this writing route with the potatoes. Mm-hmm, I'm glad obviously. you um expanded your brand because I bit. feel like the potatoes may be limiting. A little but niche, yeah. <laughs> very niche like there's all farmers all over the place that think that's awesome but um what is the first thing you actually like published published mm. so the very first thing that got published was called under the skin it's a short story about a cat assassin so an alien that looks kind of like a cat and is 
one of the galaxy's premier assassins um, in the shared universe, the Four Horsemen universe. Um, and so that was in an anthology called The Good, the Bad, and the Merc um, in 2018, 17? 17, I think. Um, so okay. not that long ago. It's my first, my first <laughs> publication. A long time since that six, uh, six-year-old story. So um, you, uh, 2017, that's pretty awesome. How many, how much do you have out since then? I have co-authored six novels um, and have short stories in 20 something anthologies. Um, let's say 24. It's somewhere between 22 and 27, I think. Um, so it just kind of been, yeah, just sprinkling my things all over as we do. Um, and <laughs> I'm just- Spreading out those potatoes. That's right, just getting the little seeds out. Um, I've just recently signed a contract with Bain. Um, so I am submitting my first novel to them uh, next month, actually, which is insane. Um, yes, a little bananas. Um, and then I've got some more stuff coming out with Chris Kennedy Publishing over the next year or so. That's very, very cool. So what made you decide to even go down this path? I mean, I understand the potatoes was a good launching pad. I'm going to keep using that. Enjoying that. <laughs> we might as well just stick with potatoes. A yeah. good launching pad. But what made you decide, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a published author. That's what I'm gonna do. Mm, so that's a really good question. Um, peer pressure uh was the thing. So then so I okay, we've never had that answer before. So nice. well done. Yes. Thank you. Yes. That's what that's how I try. Um, so I did fan fiction for 20 some odd years. Um Anne McCaffrey's Pern. That was my gateway drug. Um, so fan fiction. I wrote fan fiction with a lot of incredibly talented people. Um, one of whom, uh, Casey Izell, when she was deployed, she said, you know what? I've been writing for years. I want to get published. And so she put her head to it and she's amazing. And so when she puts her head to things, it happens. Um, so she got published and then she, you know, started to get attention and started to do more things. Um, and she wrote a short story for the Four Horsemen universe. And uh, the publisher was like, so we really like this. You should do a novel. And she's like, that's, that's super cool. However, she was a helicopter pilot. She's a mom. She, you know, a few things going on. Um, just she's like, a couple things. Just a few, just a little busy. So she's like, you know what? I'd love to. And here are some writing samples of a friend of mine. What if she co-wrote this novel with me? And they were like, I mean, okay, I guess. And so she sent me her short story. This is how she gets you. Um, so she sent me her short story and I read it and it was amazing. And she's like, yeah, what did you think? And I was like, so good. Oh my gosh, this is just so entertaining, wonderful, all the things. She's like, mm, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Do you want to write a novel with me in this world? And I was like, I'm sorry, do I what now? Do I who? She's like, yeah, I'm published and I want all the really talented people I know to be published. And I think you're next. So let's go. And I was like, yes like you don't say no to do you want to write a novel with me um yeah. so I said I said yes and I wrote my short story so that's where under the skin came from because I had to prove that I could hang um so I wrote that story and it was accepted um and I haven't really stopped since so peer pressure I like yeah. peer pressure I love that answer um let's go back let's skip you back to the fan fiction for a moment mm-hmm what did we write fan fiction about besides um, Dragons of Pern? Oh, no, it was it was all Dragons of Pern for 20 years. Um, it was different clubs with different groups. 
yeah, different formats. Um, started way back in the early 90s with um, the AOL forums. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, went to play by email, um, got back to forums because everything is a circle. Um, yeah, it was one day I realized it had been 20 years and I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe I should write my own things. I don't know. Wow. Are you, do you think you can take any of your stories and do that? I, I mean, I could probably take some characters because that was, I would say the thing that like I really learned over 20 years of fan fiction um, was character development. Um, so I think there are characters I can take. The, the stories are all very, like the dragons played a large part um, in those. So they probably will not ever see the light of day. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's still amazing. I mean, a lot, I think it's, I think it's actually really good sometimes for authors who especially are just starting out mm -hmm. to do fan fiction in a way because um, creating the worlds and everything I think is great. I'm not saying no, go do fan fiction first, but yeah. if you really want to get a, how to write a story, have an audience that for the most part tends to be a very supportive audience. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and yeah. will tell you what they loved about your story or whatever. I think it's it can be a very good way to break in your writing muscles, for lack of a better way of saying it, yeah. because you can end up sort of and getting the how do you keep a pace? How long does a story go? Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned that you did somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 uh, <laughs> years. Yeah. Mm, some decades. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that I talk about that that is not necessarily easy for people to write short stories and fan fiction definitely teaches you how to write a short story yeah beginning middle and end in a certain amount of words for for sure and I think it is like I don't know how true it is of like you write x number of garbage words before you start writing good words um but there are definitely times like I'll go back and look at some of these stories and like oh there's a bunch of garbage words oh here's here's some words that like I see where like I see where my voice started to to develop and how I practice it, which is cool. Well, I think that even now, like you're into, um, you know, you've got other books coming up. I'll tell you right now, because you start 2017, you know, in a couple of years too, you look back on even what you just published. And, you know, I, I know I do that. Val does yeah. that. We look at what we published before and we're like, like oh, I can rewrite this whole thing. Like, yeah. But, you know, but that's where I also remind myself of something Anne Rice. So Anne Rice had this whole like Facebook live interview that, and mm -hmm. I, I, my schedule lined up and someone asked her that question. Do you ever look back at interview with a vampire, for example, and want to rewrite it now that you're a stronger writer? Mm -hmm. And she goes, she says, let me be honest with you. She says, one, yes. If you're asking if I'm a better writer and I could have told that story better now, mm -hmm. Yes, but I didn't write it now. Like For point. the writer I was at the time I wrote it, that was awesome. Look what that story achieved. Yeah. And for that reason, I'll never touch it. And I'm like, what a great answer. Yeah. Like you have to kind of give, it goes back to the thing as authors, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, but at mm -hmm. the same point, there's a amount of forgiveness you kind of have to give yourself. So, well, yeah. and I think that it's, here's the thing, you're just going to be a better writer. I say this to authors, like I, I do a little bit of a, a being a muse for authors, not because I have the most ingenious ideas in the world. But also um, that, I do yeah. not claim that. But what I am able to do for whatever reason, 
Val was teasing me about this the other day is I do have a little bit of a superpower to unbug an author to get them going. Right. And usually um, what I, I find with authors sometimes who are doing self edits, like I'm a firm believer and not editing shit until Mm -hmm. you're done. Uh The trick I do to do this is if there's something that needs to happen, I put a comment like Mm -hmm. come back and insert sex scene. Come back and insert what type of gun this is because you got to look up what will do whatever. Mm -hmm. Come back and look at how long it would take this body to decompose. I write horror. Um, (laughs) Love it. That's that's what's happening, Agent Johnson. It's fine. Yeah. No, it's trust me. I have many people already set up to come to my aid if I get arrested on any sort of murder charge. Um, So the but I, I tell people like by the time you get done with a novel, regardless of how fast you write. Mm-hmm. by the end of the novel you're a better author than the, the beginning of the novel yeah. you know so if you self-edit yourself you're gonna you'll get in a loop that you'll never get out of as an author and so you have to go go put it to the end then go back and handle the comments mm-hmm. that you place then go back and only the comments, nothing fucking else. Go handle the comments you've made. That's that part. Mm-hmm. And then go back and do your read through. Yeah. But what I always say is don't edit as you're going, read the entire book mm-hmm. once through. You can make some notes if you want to about certain things as you're seeing them, but no editing, just make comments again on what you have and then go back and do your actual edits because otherwise you can edit yourself into corners and stuff, especially if, because it's, I think most of us, some people are amazing about quoting parts of their work, but if you're the other 99.99% of us, um, you're not. And sometimes I go back through and I've caught myself trying to edit and then I read a little bit further and I'm like, oh, I already thought oh, that's that. that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's already here. <laughs> Like I've just wrecked my story because I've already put it in. I've done that three times today while reviewing this short story. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But and that's where we can waste time as authors. And the thing is, you can't go, I can write this better, or whatever. This is the story. Just make sure there's no major flaws in it and then give it to your editors and mm-hmm. stuff like that to go through it with you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your books will never get written. And guess what? You're going to hit send. There's going to be errors in it. Whatever. It's going to happen. I don't care who the hell you are. I don't care how many editors go through it. I don't care how many proofreaders go through it. I don't care how many times you go through it. You'll have screwed up shit in the book. Then just move on and do the next thing because otherwise you'll be writing that same novel forever. 30 years and you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, you know, where a lot of authors can get really tied up. Mm-hmm. And but the truth is, every book, everything you write, every story, every I don't care what you're writing for, every blog post, you're going to be a better writer at the end of that. Yeah, most of the time, I yeah, so it's I, not I'm my sure blog there post. There are a few rare occasions where you do not improve and you suck, but um, <laughs> a lot of times I think you're gonna that's make when, your choker drink, Erica. How dare you? Listen, it's true. Yeah, it was great. We don't have to scream. <laughs> That's why we love her. So. She, she just tells it how it is. She's like, well, you're being dumb and you're going to choke on that food. Stop eating on the podcast. That's right. Cool. True. 
Not wrong. Not wrong. Yeah. I don't care what she eats, but when she gets <laughs> nervous and she eats and then she goes to talk or laugh or whatever, then she's choking. There's nobody there to give her the Heimlich. Who's going to save her? Yeah, the door's locked. So <laughs> going to watch so it. Basically, we'll have a recorded version of Val dying on the podcast, which would be dope. Sounds terrible. Like, Val, yeah. you don't want that to be the reason you go out. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you to have a, a scene in one of your horror books where that happens. Everyone just like slow motion watches. Yeah, no, that's that's what's gonna happen. And then I'm gonna have to be on the news, and then everybody's gonna hear about my podcast through that. And the most watched video would be Val dying. Like it's, oh, a, God. it's a very yeah. bad set of circumstances, Val. I need you to rein that shit in. <laughs> bring it back. Oh, I'll bring it back. That's great. <laughs> Oh man. That's awesome. But I agree. I so agree. Like the the best not about Val dying, Val should not die. I've already decided that is true. Um the uh, the, the edit thing, like don't get in your head. So that one of the best pieces of writing advice I've ever read is the point of the first draft is not to be perfect. The point of the first draft is to exist. And I am terrible about following it which is part of how I know it's very good advice um but this time this this draft of my very first like wrote, written all by myself novel um it it was a disaster first draft I mean a dumpster fire after like a long holiday weekend it was a disaster um but I did I went through and I just like found my comments and I filled those and I do like these brackets which says like action scene goes here once you know who these characters are or like cool explosions or whatever it is then I can just search by brackets because you don't use them otherwise um and then I could start moving stuff around to where it went it's probably still trash but now it's with the alpha readers so that's fine it'll it'll I trash, it's trash. Uh, you know we are our harshest critics most of the time unless we have an overinflated <laughs> ego and don't think we do anything wrong which is the other which is actually worse than thinking your stuff is garbage actually um uh, but I think that, you know, we're, we're going to be critical of what we're doing because we're sitting in it. Like you said, a dumpster fire, we're sitting in the dumpster, we're in the dumpster, you like know, feeling like we keep yeah. pouring gasoline and then being like, we're getting burned, you know, I don't want to see what's happening while holding the match. <laughs> Why does this hurt? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to find what works for you to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. as an author so that when you have a, the opportunity and you can publish your own books and grow and grow and grow that you're mm-hmm. not stunted because like when I have authors on the show and I love all of them before I get hate mail from my own um guests from your own authors yeah, yeah for my own guests on my show is when I hear it's going to be three years for a novel of theirs to come out or something like that oh, like it's one thing <laughs> if the publishing company is being a dill hole and that's how long it's going to give them right um, and I don't care if I get hate mail from publishers when I say that. Don't take three fucking years to release a book. Don't be a double. When they tell me it's that's how long it's going to take them to write the book, mm-hmm. I'm like, why in God's yeah. name is it taking you that long to write a book? Yeah. Like, it should never take you that long to write a book. No, no. Write the damn book. Yeah, like, yeah that part so I didn't know what my own pace was really because I'm I'm a precious little snowflake and sometimes I take a long time and sometimes I'm like my deadline is tomorrow so shit I have to write this whole thing um which is how short stories work but you can't do that with a novel um so earlier last year I wrote two co-authored novels with my co-author in six weeks we got two novels done beginning to end and they were 
solid. Like it wasn't like at the end, I was like, Ooh, this is a trash fire. And we have to like spend eight years fixing it. Like they were good. And it's easy. I think when you have the right co-author, like it's easier because you can play off each other. You can, you can like look at the other person's when you get yours back, you can look at it differently. But I was like, Oh, I really can write four to 5,000 words on a regular basis. Like I can't, I, I can't do it every day, but I, I can. And so I drafted my dumpster fire in by myself in like nine weeks. And now it's going to take another month or two, maybe a little longer to clean up. And then there's the process with like the professional editors, but, but yeah, like you can get those words down depending on your life. Like if you have multiple children and a full-time, I don't have a full-time job right now. So that helps, <laughs> but like, so maybe you double or triple that, like maybe it takes six months or a year, but three, like, no, get your book done, get onto the next story You have all the stories that need you get to them. Well, that, and to be a successful author, you need to publish all those books because yeah. you're not going to be a successful author. And by that, I don't mean living in a mansion, blah, 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 but being able to, you know, have your time to write and money coming in for the efforts you're putting in. Mm -hmm. You won't get that if you're one book a year, every three years. I mean, one book every yeah. three years, they said, you got to get to six before the money even kind of starts. Yeah. Well, what is that? 18 years? The 18 years before you're yeah. I mean I spent that in fan fiction and so no money came out but no this is this is yeah. a job now yeah and I think people who take longer than than a year to write like their first draft it's because they're trying to fix the story or the characters or the mm -hmm. plot without writing it all out yeah like how do you know where to fix a thing if you haven't laid all the that's like someone taking half the deck of cards and scattering across the floor and be like before I in order yeah. put a, let me put them in order and then it's like oh uh, don't you need the rest of the deck to really know yeah. uh, and so it's that's how I feel about it every time I, I I put a visual to it I'm like no like scatter the cards flip them all face up mm -hmm. and then revision is where you start putting them in the order that you want to, whether you're, you're doing it by the, the spades and hearts or by AA1122, whatever you, you pattern you black and red, whatever your right. heart desire at that point, yeah. but you have to have it all there and all face up and then realize that you're going to do most of that filling of holes and fixing plot mm -hmm. and characters, that's revisions. And then you have your alpha team, your beta team, your editor, your developmental editor in particular mm -hmm. at that point to help you with anything you're struggling with. I think, and I, I know Erica says this often on here, is it's not a solitary thing, making a book. Yes. Oh my gosh. So true. Yeah. And with that, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Drinking With Authors. <laughs> Comic-Cons are back and fans are ready. Hear all about it on The Con Guy Show, where we keep you up to date on all the events, the movies, the people, and the conventions that drive your passions and feed your fandom. Straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California, we are proud members of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Man, I don't care. Because I'm waiting for her to speak. I, I'm so upset we don't get to hear the crazy Zoom lady. Oh, she's pretty great. Yeah. She does. She has a great voice. Like, she can read me a smut book anytime. <laughs> no, I do not want that. I do not want her to say, like, love pocket or something. I do not want. No. <laughs> 
He rolled his potatoes around in her hand. Right, it's too many potatoes. No, that voice is not going to talk about potatoes to me. <laughs> oh, there was that smut book. What is it? All I want for Christmas is a fingerling. That's not what my short story was. That this is one of those moments where Val would have put food in her mouth that yes. she had available and died and choking because she would have thought about saying it before. Then she would have said it and then stuck the food immediately in her mouth and she'd be joking right now because she's blushing. And if you're watching the podcast, you get to see that. And if you don't watch it, she'd go on YouTube. Awesome. Val, I mean, honey, Cummings, didn't you just wrap up a book? Isn't there a book coming out from you? What is it? Beating it with Bloody Mary. <laughs> please, please say that again. Hold on. See? I need to know. Can you imagine her eating food right now? <laughs> I just, what I'm talking about. It'd be a disaster, and I love it. <laughs> the editors are about to receive the majesty of the next Honey Cummings novella mm-hmm. titled, and it's the third one in the paranormal collection there. So there is. Playing with the lady in blue, nice. and you know, wanton woman in white. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and and the last one, beating it with Bloody Mary. I love it so much. <laughs> you guys have to watch this YouTube if you're listening to this because you've got to see the look on both of their faces. <laughs> because okay. the, the first three. We're sleeping with Sasquatch, right? Obviously, Chupacabra, and Nick of a New Jersey Devil. I know how to. My alliteration is on point. Your marketing <laughs> is on point, and I love it. Um, I feel like this is the best time to show you guys. Oh no! Oh no! Can I, Sarah? Oh, look at that majesty! Did my own illustrations. The writing isn't showing up, but you should know that all of those letters are legible. <laughs> I love that you just said I did my own illustration. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would guarantee you my skill level is still about this level. I, I love that you said it that way as if you had done some magical children's book and you're like, <laughs> just, you know, I know you guys are fans of it. I did do my own illustration and the, you're the dog on there is on point. Just going to say, mm-hmm. unless that's the potato. And then I'm no, very- that is a dog. That is a dog. <laughs> so good it is three hole punched it's got the little like brackets brackets through the it's pretty great it's awful I will send it to you for the uh the social media it's delightful so I me and Val both have saved our our work we put out a couple anthologies we're skipping this year with this anthology called teen angst nice yes and I have to say this year got very brutal but um Mm. uh we put some pictures from middle school Val did that she had drawn of a comic book her and her friend oh, and we had we had nicknamed our crushes based on their first letter of their name every <laughs> so Dustin was dolphin yeah and Benjamin was beef jerky <laughs> and <laughs> Philip B was peanut butter <laughs> okay beef jerky is kind of my favorite you know you know that guy like beef jerky yeah so that checks a out comic of hey beef jerky you want to go in and see me <laughs> yeah that that level that level that's of fantastic school. yes and i middle school romance 
dig. Yeah. Ready to go. So good. So, um, you know, she put that out for everyone to see. So if you guys want to see these wonderful things by Val Willis, you can look up Teen Angst, the anthology, and you can see pictures hand-drawn. So I think when we do another one, Marissa, we are going to need... My illustrations. <laughs> yep, we're going to need the potato dog story. That's going to need to go story. in there. <laughs> Who I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I can let that go for you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you know, we all did ridiculous stuff when we were younger. And mm. I am so happy there were not cell phones around when I was a child. Cause agreed. Uh, yeah. nobody needs to know. Like some of this proof is fine, but some things are better left lost. <laughs> no, room. it's so funny how people document their lives so much. Like mm-hmm. the amount of people with GoPro cameras. I was thinking about this the other day because I, well, I was thinking about this because I'm including it in one of my um, stories, but the amount of people with even like dash cams and stuff like that, like, because you think about like, you look at these videos they post on the internet of weird stuff happening. It's one thing if it's like, I have a ring doorbell. I think Mm -hmm. it's very smart to have cameras on the outside of your house, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Because, you know, yeah. um, I'm, I, regardless if the man is watching us, I am a huge fan of that for safety reasons. Yeah. Yeah. However, the amount of people that have cameras inside their home that don't have like small children or animals. Yeah. Just going all the time. The amount of people who have dash cams just going all the time. Yeah. I life cameras. You look at events and you go, how the hell was that caught on camera? That's because somebody was sitting there with the a time. camera going the whole entire time. Yeah. Yeah. We do have a dash cam. So my husband and I live full time in our RV. Um, it's very much like a mansion. It's not. Um, but so we drive and we drive our home. Um, and so we do have a dash cam because people are crazy outside. Um, and you want to be able to say, this is the crazy thing. But we don't, we purposely got one that keeps it for like a day and then it dumps it. Like we never look at those again. <laughs> So, unless something happened, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's bad. I'm just like the amount of people that have this Mm -hmm. and I get it, especially if you have an RV, but just like random day, have a dash cam and all these people have dash cams. I get it. If it's trucks, if you're driving your car Mm -hmm. for business, you know, whatever, if you're in New York city, maybe, you know, but just documenting your life I go and I don't think there's enough education for kids about hi you're documenting your life right there's some things you're gonna actually want to forget not gonna lie to you just let that go (laughs) fuzzy in the past for the best yeah no agreed 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 um okay what was my next question hold on let me get some more beverage and I'll that will help yeah that helps for sure so you mentioned earlier that your recent ones have been military science fiction and urban fantasy. What other ones have you written then? Um, I've got some space opera, um, some post-apocalyptic. It's sort of fantasy, but it's it's meant to be sci-fi. Um, so we've written in like four different shared universes. Um, and then up until this novel that I'm about to submit, um, all of all of my original fiction has been short stories. Um, so that's been a little bit all over the place. I've done um, romantic fantasy. Um, 
where I realized I need to really polish up my skills if I'm going to write an actual romance. So cheers to beating with Bloody Mary because I am <laughs> not at that. I'm genuinely not at that level. Um, and I realized that when I was writing that short story, I was like, oh, I love reading these. And I love the idea of writing them, but shoot, do I have to polish? Like, this is not, <laughs> not heat. Um, so I've done like an epic fantasy, which is actually really fun to do in a short story, like just to kind of squash it down. Um, so yeah, just kind of all over the place, honestly. I think that's fantastic. Um, what about, uh, are there any genres like that you would really love to write, but you're like, uh, you know, you haven't tried yet? Are there ones that you'd like to, I mean, obviously besides the sexual times with um, ghosts, which obviously, yes. everybody should want to see what it's like to bone a, um, you know, a dreaded ghost that comes through a mirror, um, banshees. but besides, you know, that or cryptids, um, <laughs> is there anything that you would like, to, I'm going to see if I can keep Val completely embarrassed. <laughs> so just read the whole time. I love it. I love it yeah. a lot. <laughs> God. I, I mean it's bad enough that the next one is mating with the mermaid I mean it's so good <laughs> so good I'm when I'm good enough I'm gonna send you banging with the banshee and just see if I can like meet that level oh yeah oh yeah we, we could start that's what I should do Erica you should I share the universe I, I should just post a bunch of titles and be like who wants to pick one and help me fill out this universe <laughs> I've already written in your universe. You should totally open it up. I should. I should. Because everyone gets a tickle out of it. <laughs> yeah, they definitely get a tickle out of it, Val. Well done with that word, Clay. That's, that's a word. <laughs> uh, I thought, why am I being targeted? This is not my interview. This I'm sitting here and look, I'm fighting the urge. I keep pulling these closer to me. And I'm like, I can't eat these. Rule number one is do not die on the podcast. <laughs> See, this is why, Val. People are looking out for your well-being. If you'd like to, you can ask Marissa a question. Do you want to do that to get yourself out of this situation? <laughs> she's about to choke her drink. She, she's like, so that was amazing. Do you want, do you want to do, do you? Do you? Will that help? All right. So you... um. Why science fiction? Like, was there was there something? I mean, clearly Anne McCaffrey was a big influence, but other, what other influence in science fiction that really pulled you into wanting to dive into a science fiction world and write, whether short fiction or long form novels? Yeah. So I mentioned in passing at the the top of the podcast that I'm a second generation nerd. So my dad is a huge nerd. Um, so we watched Star Trek together. Um, original and next gen. Next gen was like my, you know how you have like my doctor for Doctor Who, like whoever your first one was. Um, next generation was like my Star Trek. Um, and then Deep Space Nine, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like these, you can tell so many stories this way. Um, so it started with that. I got into comic books because of my dad also. Um, and the, so with books, like the first thing right before I met Anne McCaffrey's uh, Dragons, I got the Narnia books. Um, and that was pretty much all over for me. Um, like just fantasy, like you open up a door and there's something entirely else behind it. Um, and that's all I wanted in my little childhood. Hence, hence Sarah and the Idaho potatoes 
just the idea of like, here's normal boring life and here's what it could be like. Like here's magic. Here's the what if, here's what life could be. So when I started writing, um, I mean, fan fiction, yes, Anne McCaffrey, um, oh man, Octavia Butler, Ursula Le Guin. Um, I mean, just, whew. I mean, there were dudes too. Like there are good dudes who write books. Um, like definitely, <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> those three women, man. Um, so, so it's like going along, reading whatever books I could find at the used bookstore or the library. Um, and then was reading comic books. Um, and the comic book shop owner was like, hey, you really like like stories about stories. And so he handed me a Sandman graphic novel. Um, oh. Yeah. And I was 14, maybe 14 or 15, like that prime age for just like, this is my personality now. Like, this is who I am. I am a Sandman fangirl. That's what I will be. Um, so for me, it was a different way to think about stories. Like I always loved the what ifs. I loved those episodes of Star Star Trek um, when they would like the mirror universe or they would time travel and you got like this what if aspect um, and that you can play that game in fantasy, you can play that game in sci-fi, but just that idea of the world could be like this if these things happen or what does it say about people if we're in a situation like this? And so it's that that imagination piece that's so cool. Um, but what I always loved about all of those books I talked about, all of Sandman, all of everything is it's like at root, it's all human, it's all human stories. And like, what what does it say about being a person when we're in this situation or we're doing this thing? Um, I could babble about this. What do you think about the Sandman show now then? I really like it. I do too. I think it's pretty brilliant, honestly. I was so nervous about it and it was cast incredibly well. Um, I cannot wait for season two. I, I feel like it's gonna be like three years, but you know, speaking of three years. Well, it depends. We're past the COVID pausing time. So that's a good thing, right? That's, that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. at least, at least we're not like, okay, it's going to come out. We don't have any idea when, cause nobody can be yeah. together. We can't see people. So 2025. Okay. It is. I have to say it is very interesting. Um, how, the entertainment world kind of handled COVID because Mm -hmm. some people just stopped, right? Yeah. Some people put everybody under sequester and filmed Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Some people adjusted and did space things, you know, space between the characters. (laughs) And then um, I watch uh, The Blacklist. I'm a huge fan of The Blacklist. Mm -hmm. I I love that show. And they took the last episode because they didn't get to film the last half of it. And they did it with voice recordings and a cartoon. They turned the last half of it into an animated thing and did the last part of the episode and released it, which I thought was pretty clever because I was like, okay, you wrapped that up because it was at the last episode and you kind of can't be like, hi, we can't film this last episode for X amount of years, you know? Right. We'll see you in two years for the end. Yes. I watched the uh, Glass Onion Knives Out mystery, and it was interesting because they're all on the dock, and each one was like representing a different mask wearer. There's the the chick with just the net. There's the non-masker. <laughs> there's the one who's got her nose hanging out of it. Mm. There's the one with the custom matching, you know, and then the one uh, that's clearly the quick disposable one. Yeah, and I, and I just I respected that. 
the whole, you know, in that, that little scene, I'm like, that sums up 2020 beautifully. My gosh, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, you, you guys drive, so you dropped this earlier, but we didn't, we didn't touch on it besides the, um, um, dash cam. You, uh, are an RV liver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right term. An RVer. What is the term? What is the term one uses? I, I think you're fine. However you say it. Full-timer, okay. RVer, RV liver. I like it. I don't know. I'm just going to make up sounds and keep saying the sounds until something sounds correctly. That's what I Potatoes. We're fine. We're good. (laughs) So when did you guys decide to do that? I love that idea. Trust me. I've looked into it like a hundred times. So what made you guys decide to do that? Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about it for a while um, and then 2020 happened and um, my husband got laid off. I got laid off. We owned a house that we loved, but in a city that we did not love. Um, And we're like, you know what? screw it. Let's sell everything. Let's take a middle-aged gap year. Um, and so we did, uh, but, and now we're on going into year three. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep middle-aged gap year in it as long as we can. Um, so yeah, I love it. We just basically said, we don't like where we are. Let's go like, remember why we like living in this country and go to beautiful places and be close to people we love outside. And let's go enjoy things because who knows, like, who knows if we'll make it to retirement? Who knows if we'll retire? Like, who knows? So don't wait until we're 60 to do this. Let's just do it. I think that's brilliant. I have thought about it a ton in doing that, you know, in the logistics of doing that. But I Mm -hmm. think it's amazing when I see people doing it, because I think it's fun. And it also teaches you that you don't have to have stuff. This is something I say to people is that Unfortunately, you create a life for yourself based on the amount of stuff you intend or unintentionally acquire and then have to maintain. Mm-hmm. Like I give speeches to college kids a lot of times when I was in my previous life as a in HR and I go, you know, don't buy that car that you because you can afford it because then you have to maintain the car. Yes. Like, and I use examples of different cars where you just really need a car. Sometimes you don't even need a car, but you need a car to get around from point A to point B. But do you need the most expensive car? Because then you have to find a job equivalent to your car to pay yep. for your car yep. or your house or whatever. And I, I'm also a firm believer. Sometimes I see houses and I'm like, this is way too much space. Like I'll watch TV shows and I think to myself, even if I had a cleaning person, like, I don't, I don't know that I'd even see half of this house. Like if I lived in this house, yep. would I ever go to the third floor? No, probably not. Too no. Yeah. That's one staircase too many. That's right. Like I draw the line at two. Yeah. It was, I mean, we bought our first house in Houston had like, we both had really good jobs. Um, and it was the cheapest house we looked at. Like the bank was like, Oh, you can borrow like four times as much as we actually spent. Cause that was, they were like, yeah, of course you can borrow this much. And I was like, I can't pay you that. That's ridiculous. No, thank you. Cause then you're trapped, right? You're trapped in a job or you're trapped at a salary level and no. So it was the cheapest house we looked at, but it was also the largest house we looked at. And to your point, like I was so tempted to just like fill it with stuff. And I was like, Ooh, let's not do that. Cause we don't know that we're going to stay here. And so there's a good half the house. Like we barely ever used. Um, so and yeah. that's true, but a lot of people don't have that thought. They go, oh, well, now we need this. Like I had a friend that just moved and I love him and his husband to death, mm-hmm. but they moved, they got a much bigger house. It's another thousand square feet from the house that they had previously. 
And he's telling me about, he sent me pictures and I'm like, oh, what are you doing with that room? And he's like, well, we're going to have to buy furniture for the X and we're going to have to buy furniture for Y. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're violating the rule we talked about, which is don't buy a house to then have to put stuff in the house. The house. Yeah. Not, I mean, to be fair, I had all the plans to fill all the rooms. Um, and it was one of those things like that job was my dream job. I loved that job and it was the best job for three years. And then the next two years, like it really wasn't. And like, thankfully that was about the time I was starting to think about filling the house. And I was like, let me pause and see like what's going to happen. And now that's just kind of been my thing. Like it's not necessarily having an escape plan, but it's knowing that I can go if I have to. Like our overhead right now is knock on wood, very low. Um, and so it is like, nope, this isn't gonna work. We can go do something else. We're, we don't wanna do this anymore. So well, that's gonna how... be fun. And plus you can go wherever you want the temperature to be like. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, it's so too it's... cold here. We gotta go south. <laughs> it was 70 degrees today. I went to the beach. Like. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you in my neighborhood? Are you in Florida? Or no, in- I'm I'm close. I'm in South Carolina. We're in Charleston. There you go. There, champ. Yeah. I'll be there in February for Monster Madness. We'll still be there. Party. <laughs> yeah. Um. You're it's you're gonna be in Charlotte, North Carolina. I really oh. wish you pay attention to things. Sometimes. I don't know. I don't have a map up. I don't know where these places are. They're, they're close. I really left Ish. Florida until this last year, thanks to you, madam. I know. I, I drove to Ohio. I've never done a, anything like that in my life. Nice. <laughs> I put Val on a plane for the first time. And uh-huh. It was pretty epic. Sounds amazing. So yeah. I have to say the Asheville airport feels like my old elementary school's cafeteria. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is this an airport? Like, I think I landed in the local elementary school. It's so tight. How did planes get here? Don't judge my airport. Okay. Thou crack linoleum. You know what I'm talking about, right? To be fair, there's there is an airport in Hawaii that's like that. (laughs) If you want to see an airport, you should go to the airport. I don't know if they've updated it. It's been a long time in Bonaire which is in the, uh, it's one of the um, ABC islands in the Caribbean. Mm. And um, there's a lot of donkeys on Bonaire. That's a whole story. But uh, (laughs) they, uh, the airport was bright pink. You have to take a propeller plane to get there from Aruba. And um, they had something they called the baggage claim. It looked like it had, had been a belt at one point in time, but it didn't work. So they just set the luggage around the belt as if that was it. Decorative. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. The ambiance. So yeah. um, there was sand everywhere inside the airport. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> there wasn't even yeah. a linoleum really floor. It was just, just sand, concrete and sand. Uh, <sighs> So shut it, Val. <laughs> Could have been worse. You're fine. You're fine. I live, didn't you? Okay, so Val, I'm going to give you the final question. Final question. Oh, so in the three years you've been traveling, what has been maybe your top three favorite places that you've gotten to visit? Okay. Okay. Bar Harbor, Maine. Three spots, so it's a little yeah, easy. three. I love that. Um, Bar Harbor, Maine. 
Um, my sister and I actually went to the top of Acadia Mountain and got the first sunrise that touches the continental United States. Um, so we got up at 3.30 in the morning to drive up a mountain. We did not hike. People hike. That's not my life. Um, we drove it. It was fine. Uh, it was one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen because you see the sun come up over the ocean and the mountains and it, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Um, so that's one. Uh, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, just like ocean and sand dunes and ocean. Um, I loved that. And the foothills of the mountains in Northern Georgia. Um, we were in Clayton, Georgia in August and it was 84 degrees in Georgia in August and just beautiful like waterfalls a giant gorge that I had never heard of and is one of the most beautiful things I've seen in the entire my entire life like Tallulah Gorge oh my goodness um the people were so nice it's Georgia so the food is so good um and again 84 degrees in August like just so that's my that's my top three I love that I'm actually about two hours um north of Clayton are you oh my god in because I drove through that town and the gorge mm-hmm. and I was like, and I had called my husband. I'm like, put this place on our places to take the kids. Cause it is, it, it is very pretty and it's stunning. And you don't realize I'm like, what, where, where's this on the places you should visit? And then my husband turns around and he goes, yeah, grandpa used to take us there all the time. I'm like, is this like, like it's you knew about it. Generations before we're circling back to it again. So man, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think the the place I got to visit this year that was pretty cool, and it's in those foothills as well as is Helen, Georgia, which looks like a little German town. And we went tubing. It was supposed to be an hour. Me and my little family <laughs> took two hours. And by the time we got to the exit, the kids are like, when do we get off? How do we leave? That's amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. That's because the entire time Val thought she passed the exit. Oh no! I don't know where I am. I'm gonna be lost. I'm living here forever. We're probably in Ohio by now. <laughs> I just need footage for my friends to know when I don't show up at Dragon Con because we went the week before Dragon uh-huh. Con. That they know uh-huh. what happened. Yeah. Please save I was, me. <laughs> I was last tubing north of here. <laughs> you can find me. Pin my location. Pin my location. Yeah. <laughs> She kept doing that. She's not <laughs> kidding. Like she actually said, because she sent us a thing saying she's getting on the tube. And then I got a text saying, I don't know where I am. Please come save us. Send the helicopters. And I was like, well, are you I thought so. I had a survival plan and rescue mission Great. ready to go. <laughs> it is better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I was like, I'll just write this into one of my stories. Let me know how long you last. Like, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Marissa, share yes. self-promotion time. Where yes. do people find you in your books? Yes. Um, you can go to uh, www.marisawolf.net or .com. I go both ways. Um, you can find me there. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter there. I promise you lots of gifts and pictures of my dogs. Um, also, Instagram. I have not updated it in a couple weeks but I will get back to it. Um, so my RV travels, my dogs and my books, it is at book dogs, books, dogs, bonus travels. You're welcome. Um, so those are the best places to find me. Also, I show up at cons periodically. Um, so this year I will be at MarsCon in 
Virginia Beach, Virginia, um, Liberty Con in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, Fantasy in Durham, North Carolina, and hopefully Dragon Con. We'll see. Yes, we're all we're all waiting except for Val, who already got her acceptance. Oh, whatever. So fancy. Me, and the moment that hit live, I was like, send. <laughs> I forgot. I was so deep in like my draft is a dumpster fire, but I'm going to finish drafting it that I, I haven't. So sometime this week I will actually apply and hopefully I did not miss my window. But oh, no, they have a window. They do it. Okay. Yeah. Marissa, it has been fabulous having you on the show with us. You've been so much fun. Thank you. So have you both. Oh, thank you. Um, guys, this has been drinking with authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Um, my co-host is uh, Valerie Willis. I, and <laughs> you gotta say the words out loud again val you want to try like subscribe and comment below before poor marissa chokes on her drink for the eighth time everywhere (laughs) guys we'll see you next time (laughs) this has been a broadcast of the eso network be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our eso patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.